Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time and the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined in person by Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Korolbeck. We are in person. It has been eons since I've seen you. I'm looking yeah. at DK's mustache. This is, I am, at, like, overjoyed. And we all just collectively all turned, turned our mics down. down. Yeah. We're not used to being in person. He's, like, screaming the intro. <laughs> like, all oh, three of us just leaned back and said, all right, Danny's ready for the pod. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> Simultaneous mic turn down there. I'm just trying to get empathy for you guys with the listeners. Now you know what, what they have to deal with in the intro of the pod all the time. No, well, actually, that's not true because Mike mixes it so well. It's not loud for them. So, but this is cool. This is the first time in two years that we've been in the same place together. Obviously, because of the pandemic, we've been doing everything remote. So it's great to see your shining faces. Yeah, Man. we're at the Spotify office. It's finally really open. Cool. We're here at a very limited capacity, but we are here. And uh, I'm elated. This is <laughs> This is unbelievable. Okay, so... <laughs> We're doing the Ringer NFL Draft Show. We're going to be coming to you, four of us, every Tuesday and Thursday through the NFL Draft. Not this Thursday, because we're going to get Craig DK and I are going to give you worst bets for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If you want good bets, listen to Solak hey. and Warren Sharp. <laughs> on the show. Solak does good bets. <laughs> this is awkward. We do the worst bets. But other than that, every Tuesday and Thursday, we're doing the NFL Draft Show. DK Solak are going to school us at everything draft. Through then... Also speaking of draft, we have launched the Ringer NFL Draft Guide. Yeah. NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. DK has poured his heart and soul into this. Honestly, there's also like a dozen people behind the scenes who yep. work to put this thing up. It looks nothing like any other draft guide you've seen. It works on your phone. It's beautiful. NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. DK. Yeah. I would like to first take full credit for <laughs> the amazing user experience of this thing, which I had absolutely nothing to of do course, with. I did not design it. You guys are welcome for that. But it is really, really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's cool. We, we, we did the top 32 right now. Um, we're going to keep updating that as we go. Um, you have really cool different ways to kind of look at it. Skim, peruse, deep dive. That can be like basic stuff. Shades of. I tried to spice up some of the shades of like parts just to make it a little more fun. Give us your best comp. What is your favorite comp in the draft guide? Mm, I think probably Desmond Ritter. And I have him as Daniel Jones, but in yeah. a good way. Call back uh, to episode one. Um, but also, Kayvon Thibodeau, who we're going to talk about today. Uh, T-Rex and an F-14. T-Rex and Tomcat. That is a Calvin and Hobbes reference for everyone that doesn't know that one. It's just basically... I love Calvin and Hobbes. just means he's awesome. Wait, T-Rex like a dinosaur or is that a Calvin and Hobbes yes. character? There's a, there's a Calvin and Hobbes strip that's basically like, you know, Calvin is very... He uses his imagination and he's like, oh yeah, we're on the plains of whatever. And it's then it's like, if only... The only thing that could make this cooler... T-Rexes in F-14s. And it's just <laughs> like, you know, and then Hobbes is like, this is so dumb. <laughs> Okay. Hobbs is the tiger. Yeah. He's the voice of the Did you not reason. do Calvin and Hobbs? The stuffed animal. By the way, my son's name is Calvin, and that's not a coincidence. So, Did you Ooh, actually name your son right? Calvin after it's Calvin It's partly part, part of that, yeah. Wow. That's, that's we do like the amazing. name, but also both of us just really love Calvin and Hobbs growing up. So, Wow. Well, He's kind of nice. a, Calvin's kind of a terror child, the, the character Calvin, not yeah. my child. Naming your son after Calvin, the character, is very bold. It's a bold move. You have to we get him his own Hobbs. He has, so my like mom Hobbs. made him a Hobbs doll. It's really cool. That's, oh, that's so great. sweet. Okay. NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. I don't know if Calvin and Hobbes, maybe we can get like a review of that on the ground or something. People who know, no. 
But seriously, it's great. Go to NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. Okay, that's enough plugs. We're going to talk draft today. Simple question. Solak, mm-hmm. who's going number one in the draft this year? I don't know. <laughs> it's a hard <laughs> one. Listen, it would be a lot easier if we knew who Jacksonville's staff was, right? right? Yeah. So the, the Jaguars have the number one overall pick. Set. Congratulations to them. They just hired Doug Peterson to be their head coach. But Doug, knowing Doug from Philadelphia, Doug's a very hands-off personnel coach. So it'd be nice to like read into the Doug hire as indicating a certain something, right? Like he had Jason Peters and Lane Johnson, both tremendous tackles in Philadelphia. And they drafted Andre, Andre Dillard in the first round when they still had Jason Peters. Like they love to invest in tackle. But that wasn't really Doug. Like that was Roseman. And that was the Eagles front office believing in investing in the trenches. Certainly Doug learned from that. But I just don't think he's a very high metal in the personnel side of things coach. Trent Baalke is the current general manager there. It's very difficult to figure out what Trent Baalke believes in because Trent Baalke has been a lot of different places, done a lot of different things with a lot of different coaches. There's been a lot of instability in Trent Baalke's career. And also there's a chance the Jaguars like hire Rick Spielman right. to be the executive vice president of football operations that he's actually in charge. So we don't even know for sure that Baalke is going to be the guy calling the shots in the draft room. And then, like, we have we have great, in this class, great offensive tackles at the top and great defensive ends at the top. Jaguars don't have a defensive coordinator yet. So I don't even know what they're doing on defense, which makes it <laughs> difficult to tell you who they're going to pick. They're a very difficult team to pin down. We know who the players might be. We don't know what the first overall pick in Jacksonville is telling us yet. So we can talk about those players in general, but pinning it down is kind of conditional on a few more dominoes that still have to fall. Okay, so let's let's talk about those players in general. DK, who is the number one player on your board? Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. He's a pass rusher. And out of Oregon? Out of Oregon, yeah. I think so. And, and to piggyback on what Solak was saying, the other thing that's interesting about this class is not only do we not know what the hell the Jaguars are going to do, it's we don't have, there is no one clear-cut top player in this draft. Well, it's, I wanted to ask. Yeah. So on the first episode, we talked about how this is a bad quarterback class. Is this a bad number one pick class? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. There's no clear-cut guy. Yeah. Um, and if you talk to, and, and Solak, you can tell me if you agree with this, like the top guys in this draft, whether it's Hutchinson, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, some of the Aiden tackles. Hutchinson, defensive yeah, Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. I, I, <laughs> you I get to draft world. You're yeah, like, oh, Hutch. I, I need to, my boy Hutch. I need to like, sheep dogging Danny yeah, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nipping, <laughs> nipping at my heels. Um, there's a couple tackles. Evan Neal from Alabama. Uh, Charles Cross, Mississippi State, is probably not going to be the first pick, but he's in that mix. Ikem Aquanu from North Carolina State. So there's, there's probably like five, I think, favorites to be that number one spot. However, I think if you look back on previous draft classes, none of these guys would be in the conversation for the top pick. Really? Oh, wow. So that's kind of the context you need. This is just not a top-heavy class. It is a deep class for people that are disappointed to hear that maybe the top pick isn't like elite, elite, right. blue-chip guy. These are all very good prospects, but not typical. This is guy is the clear-cut number one. Mm-hmm. He's a foundational piece for your franchise. It's more like these guys are all going to be very good players in the NFL, but... Maybe yeah. not like if, typical. If you're ever asking the question, like, is this a bad blank draft class? The answer is always yes, because it's just a bad draft class. That's okay. <laughs> That's just the reality is that it, it is a it is a tough class pretty much. Mo- uh, all positions, top, like the middle rounds are great, but that's because there are just players in the middle rounds who aren't in the top. You know what I mean? Like it, all together, it's, it's a rough class. Well, this year. here's what's weird to me. I think that, so there's an argument now about the defensive ends, and I think those are the most popular quote-unquote choices to go first. But there's Kayvon Thibodeau, the pass rusher from Oregon. There's Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan. But there isn't like a ton of agreement on who's the best at that spot. Right. So you have Thibodeau over Hutchinson. A lot of people have Hutchinson yep. over Thibodeau. So like, where do you fall on that? Do you have Thibodeau over Hutchinson? Yeah. Uh, what What do I want to do as a defense is a big part of it. If you're mm-hmm. evaluating in a vacuum is always really tough when you don't know like how these players are going to be deployed. Right now, Hutchinson's a better player. Uh, Hutchinson understands how to rush the passer in a way that Thibodeau doesn't. Uh, so Hutchinson is, is the kid out of Michigan. It's uh, it's going to be a really interesting cycle for him because he looks like a Watt and acts like a Watt <laughs> and wants yeah. to be a Watt, but he he isn't one. And if we bill Aiden Hutchinson, strong side defensive end out of Michigan, where's the eye black down one side of his face? If we bill him as this like tough, hard-nosed run defender, that is inaccurate. That's not the sort of player that he is. He is quick as a wink. He's super long. He's really, really good with his hands, but he isn't a power rusher. He's a guy who wants to, he wants to get into the phone booth with you, right? He wants to, he wants to close space on you. He wants to make you freak out as a tackle. Once you throw those hands, once you throw your weight forward, once you stop getting into your set, then he's going to slip you. He's going to make you miss. He's going to get to your your outside shoulder. He's going to get to your inside shoulder. And he can rush both sides, which is really nice. And then he can finish those rushes because he understands how to clear your hands. He's got good hand usage. He's got enough bend to get around that corner. And he's got a really big tackle radius so he can finish at the quarterback. But this is very much so a 
more of a finesse rusher than a power rusher. You wish that he was better at using his length to generate power and to push tackles back into the quarterback. And the reason he struggles with that is because he's very upright. Uh, he's, he's a great athlete. Bruce Feldman had him number two in the freak flips. going to run a 6'5", 4'3", cone. He's going to vertical jump 36 inches. Incredible. But the reality is he plays upright. He does not play with, we talk about knee bend, right? We talk about hip sync, the ability to get that lower half down into the ground and have leverage, get your pads underneath the other guy and then uproot him. Hodgson is an upright dude. He gives you his chest. He plays tall. He's 6'5". And so when he goes to rush with power, when he goes to, you know, he's going to get like a split zone blocker, going to come crack him out of the C-gap, he's up. And so he's getting moved. He's not moving guys. And so he is much more so a, a, a finesse, detailed style rusher than I think a lot of people want to bill him as. That's to his benefit. You should be able to draft Hutchinson and get six sacks out of him tomorrow. And then and six, seven sacks as a rookie, is, is that's the bar for like first-round players. That's what you're expecting. So as a pass rusher, he's developed. As a run defender, he isn't that great. I don't think you're ever going to get it to teach him how to play lower. So it's like a, a But decent, why not? Why can't you teach him to play lower? That's a flexibility thing. And flexibility is really tough to, to get out of guys, right? So uh, if we start to fold Thibodeau into this conversation, you watch 10 snaps of Hutchinson and 10 snaps of Thibodeau, and you can tell one guy's a different cat, yeah. is a different caliber athlete in the lower half, and that's Thibodeau. Because when Thibodeau gets into his stance, man, like when he gets out of his first step, you, like, you, you could... Take the nameplates off, take the numbers off, take a guy who's watched some football, sit him down and say, who's the NFL prospect? And they go, probably that giant freakazoid who's running four inches off the ground, right? Like, <laughs> Thibodeau has, he had a rep against Cal. He's, he's like parallel to the floor and he's still running, right? Like, it's, un- like, yeah. it's unbelievable how low he can get to the ground to retain his balance. Hodgson is upright. And that just, he, a, a lot of Hodgson's best reps, I'll put it to you this way, were taking college tackles and what they're bad at what college tackles are always bad at which is balance patience right feeling controlled feeling settled feeling comfortable and exposing that that's not as easy in the nfl right you start going up against a guy who's been doing this for 10 years he's got high caliber athleticism and he knows that he can just sit in his pass set and if you try to beat him with power you won't be able to they're not going to throw hands they're not going to they're not going to lunge forward they're not going to give you that that window that Hodgson wants to take advantage of and so there's a little bit of a limit in terms of the athletic ceiling Hodgson is a better player now he's a better pass rusher now but in terms of 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 his athletic limitations Thibodeau does have a higher ceiling and that's why I think people like Thibodeau as the first overall pick that's why it's a, it, this is why it's such a hard decision to make too is because they're very different styles. so one players. guy's higher floor lower ceiling and then vice versa for the well, for not just that they've different what do you mean different styles Dick? like they're, they're completely well, different players basically I mean I think just honestly just from a aesthetic point of view like Thibodeau plays low he's like you know he, it almost he almost looks kind of small because he plays low. He plays with the low center of gravity. He's kind of like a bendy guy. Like a super gremlin. And that's the football thing, right? Low man wins generally. Yeah, correct. Also, this is I think something that draft Twitter and and just the draft analysis world is going to like disagree on. I've seen multiple people say he's not very bendy. When I was watching him, I thought he was really bendy because like what what mm-hmm. so like said is like he plays low. He can dip his shoulder, get into the uh, pocket from the outside. He can so like he can dip dip under a block. Yeah, and like just may beat a guy which, that way. Which style of guy has the best track record in the NFL? Tremendous question. No real answer. It depends on how, <laughs> how it depends on how good you are at it, right? And Keep that's asking the thing. them though. Yeah, okay. that's that, amazing. And that's the thing is like we talk about Thibodeau as this like bendy player, and bend is such a difficult thing to conceptualize and mm-hmm. such a difficult thing to understand. But that like the best way of describing it is you ever like you're watching like a boxing fight, right? You you don't watch boxing at all, but then it's like a cool fight, so you watch it. And these guys are slipping punches like two inches from their head, right? And they go and they play it back like you know, quarter speed, slow motion. It's just incredible like how these punches are, are an inch away and these boxers are dipping and diving. They know the combinations and they know the timing. They're just able to make all these punches miss. That's Thibodeau. Thibodeau gets up mm-hmm. in space with you and you go to throw a punch at him and then he's just gone. What, what they call it is, you know, here's some jargon. I'll put it in the jar. Reducing surface area. <laughs> the right? jargon. Yeah, yeah the, the jargon. jargon. The jargon. When you reduce surface area, you're showing a tackle. This is my my chest, right? Hit it. And then when they throw that punch, all of a sudden you tilt those shoulders and you oh, drop yeah. those hips. And all of a sudden there's just way less of you. Yeah. And when that tackle misses, now can you at that weird body angle get your cleats in the ground? We're talking about ankle flexion, hip flexion, and be able to finish this corner, right? Get around that tackle, get your toes pointed to the quarterback and finish. And Thibodeau does that in a way that Hutchinson never will be able to do. That feels higher ceiling. That feels more translatable. If you can get the rest of Thibodeau built around that, 10 sack a year guy, tremendous. But what Hutchinson does right now with his hands, Thibodeau so desperately needs and so desperately mm-hmm. lacks. Thibodeau can take a hard corner, a difficult tackle, and get around him because he's a freakazoid athlete. 
Hutchinson could take that corner and make it softer, make it easier to get around, and then with his lesser physical ability, still get the job done. So two different ways to skin a cat. But having said all that, you still said that these guys, well, DK said that these guys wouldn't be in consideration for like a number one pick. So look at just like the last five years of like defensive end, like who's gone in those top five. We've got like Miles Garrett went number one to the Browns, Mm -hmm. Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Bradley Chubb, Chase Young. Where do these guys compare to like those guys in terms of defensive end prospects? I'd probably say like right after that. So like the, like Bosa, bro- the Bosa brothers, I think brought more power and a little bit more bend. Um, Miles Garrett is like a once in a generation athlete. Like yeah. he's just you like can't what we're really talking about. Thibodeau can do in terms of bending. Garrett does with an extra like fifteen pounds. It's like <laughs> yeah. not. It's not a lot. Um, so that's I think what makes it difficult is because like he these these guys I don't think so. Hutchinson's going to get compared to the Bosa's, the Watts, because he's white and he's a big, you know, tall power tough, rusher type right. football guy. Yeah, and he points right. at the tackle and, and, and then like, like knocks him right. over. And it's he's like, like yeah. super intense on the field, which t- teams absolutely love. And honestly, that's a good thing to have because it can up the intensity of your entire defense. All that stuff is great. And, um, you know, that's something that teams are going to want. However, I just don't think he's on the same caliber. He's not the same caliber of, of uh, rusher at this point in time. I think he's going to be really good. I comped him to like a souped up Mac- Max Crosby. I also comped him to like a Marcus Davenport or something like that, where I've you seen have that like one, some yeah. of the the tools are there. Um, kind of have to like refine them and everything. When I watch Hutchinson, um, my first impression was, yeah, these. I don't think he's on the same level as like the Bosa's or the Watts, but I'm pretty damn sure he's going to be really a really good pro. That's kind of like how it works. And so, how safe know. is D line like a D lineman as a pick generally in like the top five? Do they usually work out? So it again, it's another really good question. Yes. It's a safe pick. And that's because typically there's a, a, when you have like defensive line is a position where if you have one cardinal trait, like you have like a sick first step, somebody somewhere, Jim Schwartz, is going to be able to get you to do something for them, right? Like Arden Key is in San Francisco right now after going as a third round pick, busting with the Raiders, you know, didn't know what he was doing at LSU, like had bad character concerns, whatever. Get him to Chris Kosarek, right? The defensive the line coach in San Francisco. And Kosarek's going to put him in a gap and say, get as far upfield as you freaking want. And Arden Key was huge for the Niners this year. So when you're like a, when you have a, a cardinal traded defensive line, you can be a havoc wrecker, right? You can be a disruptor. It doesn't work as well at like corner. Corner, you need to have like seven above average traits so you can deal with a variety <laughs> right. of receivers. Defensive line, if you do one thing well, we can get you in that one thing and we can, we can make it work with that. Can I ask you guys a stupid question? No. Please. So... Thibodeau, number one. He, Which one? Well, <laughs> who are you asking? Sulek's new here. He's, he's got to get to the. So, Kayvon Thibodeau was the number one prospect in high school in, in the country, right? Mm-hmm. He's defensive end. Mm-hmm. Why did he go to Oregon? So, he's very big on. Um, Life after football, which is a cool thing. He talked about it a lot when he was a high school recruit. He's talked about it a lot during his time at Oregon. He made waves when he told uh, who's it, Greg McElroy. Is that the guy? I think it was Greg McElroy. Like, he, yes, no, I he told it. Joel Klatt and then Greg, Greg McElroy, McElroy got reacted mad about to it. it. Yes. <laughs> but he was talking about how he didn't want to go to BAM and he wanted to go to Oregon because of the academic difference. And he was basically just like, dumb kids go to Alabama. That's not what he said. <laughs> like, that was the general vibe. Read between the lines. That he was giving Go off. Ducks, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was a very important thing to him. Oregon also, like, this is the prime Mario Cristobal area of recruiting, right? Like, we got to remember, before Thibodeau, there was Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell was a really, really, really high-caliber recruit. Now, he was, you know, West Coast, and he had that background. That was kind of Oregon's backyard. But it was, uh, Oregon did a really, really good job recruiting. They have incredible facilities. They have the Nike connection, which matters to Thibodeau as well. He's talked about that. Like, these things make Oregon a really good recruiting place. Why Cristobal had success there. And to that point, like, there's concerns with Thibodeau in terms of how he's going to develop because he was a little bit better, I think, last year than he was this year, and he had the ankle injury. There's concerns about whatever. Like, you know, Todd McShay had a quote about him, like, his practice habits. Yeah. Yeah. We've just, we've seen now enough of these guys come out of Oregon, where they're just like Herbert, Sewell, like, they're just like nuts athletes that Oregon never really, like, fully developed. And then they come to the league and they just start kicking butt. And, like, to me, Thibodeau is, is, I, I would be comfortable putting Thibodeau in that bucket where I'm like, all right, I can't teach a guy to do that. So mm. I'm going to get you into the building and yeah. then I'm going to believe that NFL coaching is a huge difference between whatever you got at Oregon and that's going to lead to rapid improvement in year one. Based on the way you guys talk about Thibodeau, I feel like if he'd been wearing an Alabama jersey in college, this is not a question. It's possible. No, because he, he would have been playing next to Will Anderson. So he would have been the second best edge rusher on his team. But that's that's a 2023 conversation. Yeah, that yeah. push that down the road. Yeah. Kick that one down the, down the road. The other thing I think that's interesting is... Uh, Thibodeau kind of reminds me in a few ways of Brian Burns as a prospect. So, like, when Brian Burns was coming where, out... Where did he, Brian Burns go? He's with Florida State. State. Florida State. Florida so, State. He, was, yeah. he was rushing at, like, 220 pounds in college, but you could see 
the athletic traits, you could see the suddenness and you could see some of the ways that he wins. He's got like these burgeoning pass rush moves. He just needs to refine them. Um, Thibodeau's not the same player necessarily, but he reminds me in terms of the movement skills yeah. and the suddenness and explosiveness. So, And I will say, Oregon has uh, Thibodeau listed 258. He's bigger than that. He's, okay. Is he is. He? So, okay. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like built like a tank. Well-built young man. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Okay, so those are the DNs. We have no idea which of them the Jaguars will go with because they just hired their head coach and they don't really have a staff. Right. So yes. the other people in contention for the number one pick are the offensive linemen. And their offensive linemen are offensive linemen. But before we even get into that, I'm curious if these prospects, the defensive ends and the tackles were, I don't know what it means, but equally good. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather, because all the teams in the top, the Jaguars, the Texans have the third pick, the Lions have the second pick. They all need every position, basically. Right. So assuming, like a draft like this, where there are not great quarterbacks at the top, obviously you would take a great quarterback, number one. But if you're talking, you have a quarterback set like Jacksonville does. Would you rather have an offensive tackle to sit there for like 10 years and mm -hmm. be like maybe a Hall of Fame or would you rather have like a Hall of Fame caliber defensive end if you're going to like start a franchise from scratch? I was going to ask the same question. What's the most sought after position other than quarterback for a starting franchise? I think it's edge. I think it, I think it would be an edge rusher. And you could make the argument in the Jags specific case that they should take a tackle. In fact, I would make that argument. I think they are better off protecting their investment in uh, Lawrence and just going forward and trying to build around him. A, a good offense is going to be a trump card over a good defense. Most teams, I think, would say like in a, in a vacuum, an uh, elite edge rusher is going to be more valuable. And I think that's typically shown up. In fact, I, I think the first... Like a tackle taken first overall hasn't happened for since like 2013 or something like that. So, so yeah, uh, 2013 was the last tackle taken first overall is Eric Fisher. Mm -hmm. Before that, Jake Long in 08 and then Orlando Pace in 97. So it's, for, it's for perspective, yeah. yeah. So uh, since 97, so this is when I was born, uh, there have been three positions taken with the first overall pick. Three, ta three total tackles, four total defensive ends, and then the rest of them are quarterbacks. Wow. But does that make sense though, basically, if like if you have a quarterback set? Think of the Jaguars. They have Trevor Lawrence... I get in theory, oh, you get another defensive end, you've got your quarterback and someone who can get after the other quarterback. Don't you want to just protect Trevor Lawrence? Like, why I isn't do. that the yeah, priority? I do. So, I right. think so. Yeah, so I think, right, once you say we have the quarterback, it's absolutely tackle. Uh, and you, if you look specifically for Jaguars contracts right, right now, Jaguars had like a steady line in the late 2010s. They had like Brandon Linder, Andrew Norwell, like AJ Can. Those guys are reaching the end of their contract. That's their starting offensive line. Yeah, and, but I'm saying like those guys started for them for like five plus years, right? They drafted Juwan Taylor, drafted Cam Robinson. And when we talk about offensive line play, we often talk about... Um, Again, like talking, going back to that defensive end corner construction, offensive line, if you have the one elite guy, and, or if you have like three elite guys and two bad guys, you have a bad offensive line. Yeah. Because the defensive line knows who the bad ones are and we're going to hit them. We're going to ignore the other guys. So offensive line is a place where you want to have five above average starters. And that's going to, th those become force multipliers. It drastically increases the value of your offensive line mm -hmm. versus defensive line. All right, if we have three average players and one stud, we can get havoc out of that. Mm. So the value at like, 
the top five of like a star defensive end versus star tackle, the star defensive end is more valuable in a vacuum because his his one role creates more havoc on defense than the one tackle solves for you on offense. Because you could just avoid that tackle right. in theory. Exactly. With that said, if you have a line that you like, you know, you get, like you think about like where San Francisco was before they signed, they they traded for Trent Williams. Yeah, they had a generally good line. They had Mike McGlinchey. You know what I mean? Top ten pick attack. We're yeah, all like right. first round picks yeah. on it and stuff. Yep. But then they add Trent Williams and and like you know and then added Alex Mack this year and really felt like they established and they locked down their line. They had like five good starters. They were wrong. Daniel Brunskill is a problem. But that's that was the theory behind it, right? It's like you kind of want to plug that last gap with a top tackle as opposed to a defensive end. You can just take one and hunt right away. So the offensive line's like a chain and you can have like some master lock. But if there's one weak link, that's no bueno. Great but way of thinking about defensive it. Defensive line, it's like a basketball team where like one star player yep. actually raises the ceiling of the I think, whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I and, think there's, there is the thought though that if you have a bad left tackle, that's like hard to scheme around. You know, I think that's dying out a little bit. I would say, well, right? Like we actually, we got an email about that. Oh, Let yeah? me just, I'm just gonna skip. I'm just gonna read this great email from Joseph, who said, "Emails at ringerfantasyfootball@gmail.com." Joe. Joey, Joey, e- emails at ringerfantasyfootball@gmail.com. If you have any draft questions, we're gonna be reading draft questions. Joey questions. Some of them will be weird. Joey questions. <laughs> and Joe writes like, "I've always understood why left tackle is so highly valued. You want your best pass rusher coming mm-hmm. from the blind slide." But I've noticed stud pass rushers rushing off the right tackle now. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm a Saints fan who watches Cam, or sorry, I'm a Falcons fan who watches Cam Jordan on the Saints destroy the Falcons' right tackle, Caleb McGarry, twice a year. So why are right tackles so undervalued? Like, I get why left tackle is more important, but shouldn't right tackle be a higher priority? Yeah. So, firstly, uh, doesn't matter who's rushing Caleb McGarry, Caleb McGarry's going to destroy it. <laughs> so you don't have to specify Cam Jordan there. Damn. Um, but, drive by. Right. The the catching strays over here. The theory Caleb. was hope he's uh, not listening. I Caleb, <laughs> Caleb a fan? He's not anymore. <laughs> the theory was that you have a right-handed quarterback, and so he's he's got his eyes naturally to the right side of the field. The left side accordingly becomes his blind side. Shout out Sandra Bullock. Shout out Michael Orr. Shout out the blind side. And so your left <laughs> tackle, out the movie. Yeah. your your left tackle becomes more important because the quarterback is not going to see a rusher winning from that side as he will seeing from the right side. With that said, the more we do rollouts, the more we boot, the more we run play action, and we need to be able to run boots to the left as well, especially because those are really valuable. The less this becomes a problem, the quicker the ball comes out, the less tackle pass protection matters and the more guard and center pass protection matters because that interior pressure is going to hit a lot faster than pressure off the edge. So in general, yes, left tackle is more valuable than right tackle, but the league has spent 10, 15 years finding solutions to this problem to the point where if you you don't need to build as a team saying, all right, our left tackle has to be our, our elite pass rusher and our right tackle has to be like our double team run blocker anymore. We just have such a variety of, of offenses now that that just doesn't hold water on, on a league scale anymore. It can still apply for like one specific team if that's that's what you're building for. But in general, I would say it, it gets over overvamped as a notion now. Okay, so with all that said, let's get to the specific tackles for this year's class. DK, mm-hmm. Again, shameless plug. I'm going to keep doing it. NFLdraft.theringer.com. we got DK's whole big board up there, top 32 players. Please check it out. It's really great. You can do it right now. You listen to your phone. <laughs> NFLdraft.theringer.com. Who are, who are like the top tackles we need to know for yeah. this year? And then I'm curious who your like best tackle in this draft is. And how do they uh, stack up against previous? Like, where are they in terms of like the last few years of, of O-line draft right. classes? Um, so the top three guys right now in, in any given order are Evan Neal from Alabama, who is a behemoth. He's six foot seven, three sixty, maybe more than Healthy that. Healthy young man. And he was he was like <laughs> an, another one of the like five star top ranked guy in his in his in his recruit class. Like everybody wanted this guy. He's got solid athleticism for being how big he is. Um so he's basically like I would comp him to like a Mackay Beckton. Like he's just larger than life. He's the biggest guy on the field by far. Um and then you have uh Ike Makwanu from North Carolina State who's made a big rise this year. He's sort of um, a medium size. He's big, obviously. He's definitely not undersized, but he's Goldie not quite as, He's not as big as, yeah, exactly. This is like the Goldilocks tackle class. You got Kwanu, who's sort of the middle range, very athletic, plays mean, he has a mean streak. He goes and he's very good in the run game. He goes and looks for work. Like he's, he's got like so many pancakes on tape. He's throwing guys. I like he like goes that. and looks for pancakes work. on yeah. tape. That's yeah. good. Um, That's, we got to put that in the you're jargon. Burning, you're burning all my jargon. I need sorry. to not. I'm trying to not use them so I can <laughs> say them later, and you guys won't recognize them. Also, pancake. Pancakes. One of the jargons. So that's great. I Everybody knows pancake. that one too. Pancakes. That's not a, a fantastic like on your one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know about pancakes. So, Flat back. And then so he's making some. He's rising a lot. Like he could the be the top pick. Yeah. And then the third guy is Charles Cross, who is sort of. The lighter end, he's he's um he's listed at three hundred five, so he's like not small by any means. He's from Mississippi State. Mississippi State. He um 
but he has more experience pass blocking, um, playing in an air raid offense. They play with like wide splits. So he's just pass blocking all the time, not really known as a run blocker. So there's some question marks there. Kwanu, on the other hand, is more of a run blocker, a little more raw in pass pro. And then I would say Evan Neal is sort of a combination of, of all of them. He's good in both areas. In fact, he's played multiple positions for Alabama. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say he's as good in either spot. You, you know what I mean? Like Aquanu is a better run blocker in my, in my so mind. So Aquanu from NC State mm-hmm. is a good run blocker. Yep. And we don't know about his pass blocking. It's not as refined. Okay. Yeah. Charles Cross is from Mississippi State. State. He's and, good pass blocker. But we really don't know about his Really blocking. good pass blocker. The question mark is, yeah, can he run block okay. in an NFL? And then I'd say that Evan Neal, who is massive, is is more well-rounded in both. And he can play multiple. He can play three positions. He played left guard, right tackle, and left tackle for Alabama's starter like three years. One of the nice things about playing on that Bama line is just inevitably you end up playing like three different positions because yeah. there's so many talented players. Like to get your way on the field, you have to play like left guard your first But year. how much does that actually matter? He's going to play. You're drafting to play left tackle. So I guess right. obviously pass blocking, I'm guessing, is more important than run blocking. But which is easier to learn? Like, is it easier to teach it's, a great pass blocker run blocking than the other way around? That's, that's a good question. I would, I would, I would say it's easier to learn how to run block yeah. than pass block. Yeah. Just simply because run blocking is a, a more of a natural state, right? Think about like when we talk about play calling, right? Who always wants to run the ball at the offensive line? Because they get to go be the aggressor. They go forward. Okay, right. So I'm already instinctive. I'm already confused. Okay. All these mock drafts that are coming out, all the big boards have a Quanu higher or like around higher than cross. I've seen Charles Cross. He's going all over top the board. five. Yeah. I've seen him going outside the top twenty, and he's the pass blocking. But he's guy. the one who's the best at pass blocking. What? Why? Why? Who do you? So have number I, one? I would say, like you know, if if we say as a general idea, like it's easier to teach run block than pass block on a player level. It's like how does a player learn? You know what I mean? Like you can say that as like a larger concept, but like you have to sit down with a quantum, sit down with cross, and get a feel for what's their disposition. How do they learn? Are, you know, have they been taught X? Have they been taught Y? Like to me, like that's like you you can say like oh it's easier to teach run blocking, but then you like to know if you can actually teach a guy, you gotta like meet him and like talk with him yeah. and put him on the board and like experience whether or not he learns. And like you said, like, you know, different teams want different skill sets out of their like offensive yeah. linemen. So like not every team is viewing these three guys in the same order. Yeah. So right. like, like which, which team in the top five do you think would prefer each of these guys? Oh, I mean, look at the top five. Well, well, well again, Solik does that. I want to know who DK has number one on your board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rank got, these three. Let me check. I got a Quanu, but I have them all right next to each other. Um, and I think that Solak will probably call me a coward for that. But that's just like, honestly, there it, it is the Goldilocks thing. It just depends on what you want, what what your scheme is, what mm-hmm. your coaching staff values the most, what your identity is. I feel like people don't think about that. Like the average fan doesn't think about, like yeah. they just think, who's the best O-lineman? And it's like, that's not yeah. the right question. Right? And that's like something I still struggle with. I've been doing this now. This is my fourth year doing this guide. And I'm like, why do you have him ranked higher? It's like, I don't know. Right. So that, I that, liked one snap that he well, did that's, a little So bit how more. much of it like, when you're you know, ranking these things does it come down to like personal preference? Because we see DE yeah. next to them for defensive end. But within that, there's different kinds and the different kinds of linemen. But like, right. we don't think of that when we do it. Right. So, so there's two separate, the, the way the best framework is evaluation versus valuation, right? Evaluation is what are the traits? Are you able to identify what this player does, right? Ikem Aquanu, 6'4", 320. He's got a, a Great build. He's got a good hip sync. He's underneath you. He's a physical, dominant player. He's mm-hmm. aggressive. He's got good grip strength. Like, tape I, is fun, too. I know what he <laughs> does. I understand him. I've evaluated him. Valuation exists outside of that construct. Take everything you think you know about Akim Aquanu. Think everything that, that you've, you've described of him and put it off to the side. In the building, what do we care about? Right, Like Dan Campbell and the Lions. It's pretty clear Dan Campbell yeah. cares about Sons of guns, you know what I mean? Kneecaps, like, exactly. Like Dan Campbell taking hunks out of you. Like I don't, I don't see Dan Campbell drafting Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Right. Not because Cross doesn't have the killer instinct, but because he's played in an air raid team. There's so he wants like he's not physically Evan Neal. right. So like, yeah. like, uh, but again, someone like, who's gonna look good getting off the bus, like intimidating. Right. But not so, to like, be reductive, but like the thing on lineman world is that pass blocking soft because you go backward and run blocking's yeah. hard because right. you go and, forward right. and, and like right. they want guys yeah. to go forward right and they, and like you know on offensive linemen you know world they'll say like you know pass protection isn't passive right like that's like a yeah. big like buzzy phrase to be like you know you can be the aggressor but in general right you're like, defending it's like, something yeah so what, what, what you're talking about in terms of valuation right like I remember my wife Mayor, like we just we just leased a new car Right. And it was like, you know, we were talking about these different options. And this one, this one had, this <laughs> Shout one had, out. this Damn. one had, hey, things are going What well. kind of car is it? Yeah. Uh, to a Hyundai Tucson. There's a mini SUV. She doesn't like driving. All the bells now. and whistles. Yeah. Ooh. And it's got a touchscreen. New 22 <laughs> Tucson. Yeah. yeah. Is, that a, is there a ringer? Is there a promo code for the ringer Tucson? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's Solac 20. Um, but anyway, the moral of the story was we were talking about these different uh, cars 
And my wife was thinking about like, oh, but this one costs like, you know, $12 less per month. And I was like, man, like, what do you care about? Like, what do you, what, what will make you happy when you're in the car on a day-to-day basis? She was like having the seat warmers. Like, all right, we're going to get them with the seat warmers. You're not going to think about $12 per month <laughs> Money more. is no object to Solak. Right? No, yeah, but wow. it's the point, the, the point here $12. saying that there's the evaluation, which is what the cars have. It's what the tackles can do. And then there's the valuation. What matters to you? What, what, what do you care about as a team from a scheme perspective, from a disposition perspective, from a, a personality perspective? Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the Chiefs under uh, John Dorsey and Brett Veach cycle in a lot of guys who, like, other teams wouldn't cycle in because they wouldn't want those personalities, right? They wouldn't want those players and those dispositions. What do you care about as a team? And that's valuation. So when we talk about players out here in the Ringer NFL Draft Show 2022, we're talking about evaluation. We're trying to talk about what they do. How do you rank them? Depends on what you like. That's really Depends helpful. on what matters. I, yeah. That actually makes so much sense because you live in Michigan mm-hmm. and you need the seat warmers and also you need four-wheel drive. Yeah. Craig, who lives here in LA, I need does not need four-wheel drive. The retractable roof <laughs> and the shiniest rims. And, yeah, because he's vain. And it's like, so it's helpful that... Sounds like Craig. With certain teams, though, that makes sense where the Lions are going to want like a mauling mm-hmm. lineman because they ultimately want to power through teams, but some teams are going to want like a completely different thing. So the valuation, right. and that's, so that's basically in a nutshell why it's hard to rank because realistically, every team when they're actually looking at their own rankings, it's like getting a car, they won't want their own different stuff. Yeah. That yeah. actually makes a lot of yeah. sense. And, and so, there's also this whole other thing, which is uh, that we can't see on tape, which is personality, drive, some of the things that the scouts spend a lot of time looking at like, the guy's work ethic and how they like, get along with people. You know, do they love football? Like all this stuff is super important too that, you know, we're not going to find out that by watching his tape necessarily. I mean, sometimes it's evident that like Hutchinson, no one's going to worry that he doesn't love football because he's like going a hundred miles an hour at all times. It yeah. also feels like defensive ends and defensive linemen have more personality than offensive linemen. Oh man, I don't, I, 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 well, I I'm like saying a, to the public I would, eye, I would like to state to offensive line Twitter that Ben Solak does not co-sign this take. Hold <laughs> on, hold on, hold on. Hold you gotta agree on. with me. Like, no, how <laughs> offensive, I'm defending offensive linemen because I was a bad I'm one I'm not saying school. they don't have the personality. <laughs> I'm saying they're perceived to have a lesser personality I think it's than defensive yeah. ends. It's in, I would argue it's, it's because it's the most inherently selfless, selfless position It's in the sports. least famous position probably yes. on a it's like on Ferraris the it's the versus only, pickup trucks. But exactly. it's the only position in any sport, offensive lineman, that your only job is to protect your teammates. So there is inherently a, it's not about me. And also they have to work together to do it. Yeah. So I think that inherently it's, it's beaten out of you, the idea of like individual credit. Individual like right anything. now, everyone's talking about Aiden Hutchinson's like, Grit. No, is any like I feel like the average fan doesn't know anything about an offensive lineman's like. Yeah. What's his like yeah. thing? You know. What's well, discouraged? Watch him, Ike Mukwano. You know, Ike Mukwano likes to murder people. Ike Mukwano <laughs> likes to yeah. take souls from young men on the football field. But I think I think to your point though, I think it's discouraged because even uh, we were talking about like defensive line before it's like a basketball team where at the end of the day someone's got to go and just get the bucket. Someone's got to go and just get the quarterback. Offensive line, it's the opposite. Like, like you a do a great team. job, like, it can still be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so with all that said. <laughs> Those are yes. the five guys that are kind Imagine of Imagine that the, in a boat. All the offensive those big linemen. Boys, Evan Neal. I want to know what Evan Neal's in and out order is. Do you think that it, when all the linemen go somewhere, does it mess with the weight limit on the... Like, could he... Could Solex, in the like, elevator? Could his Tucson actually <laughs> take five guys? Or, no way. Yeah. Five Evan Neals? Not with the bridges in this country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. That's what the lines got to do, build back better. The infrastructure. Right. You know how you're big on uh, we should all have a media combine? Yes. I'm going to send you a video of Evan Neal at 6'7", 360 doing a split oh, box, box jump. box jumping. Oh, yeah. that's insane. Dude, yeah. it's, it's 6'7", 360. He does a split box jump. It's unbelievable. We should have like the viral combine where it's just all of them just jumping out of pools and yeah. right, exactly. all those things. It's, it's By the just way, us grading the cool things they do. Speaking of that box jump thing, I think it's so interesting. These days, and going forward, it's going to change because there's so many more. Um, there's like technological advances in exercise science. Like, Instead of using the 40, we're going to go to miles per hour mm-hmm. on GPS that they're tracking on the field because field fast is more important ultimately than does this guy run fast in a straight line when he's using like getting out of his blocks or whatever. Um, they, I don't know the exact like details. It doesn't matter. Like Alabama was like, oh yeah, he generates more upward velocity power, per square whatever. Inch. Yeah, P- PSI uh, on his box jumps than we've ever tracked. And I'm like, okay. Well, you've been tracking for three years. <laughs> it's horsepower. Yeah. I, I, Torque. <laughs> oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Ugh. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body. 
giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... <sighs> Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. So with all that said, who's going number one? Yeah, exactly. I think Evan Neal is going to go number one. Oh, Alabama guy. Yeah. Goldilocks. So, like, you have a lot of bets. You've already wagered a lot of money yeah, well, on these picks. Yeah, this but is you like have the six, cr- though. We've talked about five guys. We've got Kayvon Th- Thibodeau from Oregon. We've got Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Those are the defensive mm-hmm. ends. Then we got Ikemakwanu. We've got Charles Cross. And we got Evan Neal. But you have six tickets. So, yeah. so also, why, why do you have six bets on number one? Okay. So, don't have to ask it like that. Well, because he's um, a degenerate. No. Well, clearly he's doing quite well. He just got that new car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ooh, it's <laughs> a lease. Though. He's like, that's why I have six yeah. bets. Uh, remember how I said like the only people that have been drafted uh, are tackles, defensive ends, and quarterbacks in number one overall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took a corner, which was a bad decision, um, but I thought Derek Stingley at plus 5,000 was, was a ridiculous price. The LSU price. cornerback? Yeah, 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 the LSU yeah, corner. Good. So 500 uh, to one? Yep. Yeah, so Stingley is ludicrously gifted corner. There is no alignment you can't put him in. There is no technique you, can, you, you, you put him in, which he cannot execute. And he was doing this as a, as a freshman. He was doing this in 2019, straight out of high school at an unbelievably high level. And then got injured, opted out, and just hasn't been the same since. And I think that... Anticlimactic I think end that to his career, yeah. There's a general quietness around Stingley because we like the new thing. Whereas like when I, when I watched all of like the top 15, top 20 players, the player who like when I like, you know, okay, whatever. When I like shut my eyes and I like dream about like getting <laughs> wow. a guy to my team. This is getting weird. You know what? what? I, you know what I'm, like when, when you think about like we said this isn't a, isn't a good class, but these guys at number one overall don't stack up with number one overall. Stingley stacks up with Patrick Sertan, with uh-huh. JC Horn, mm-hmm. with those guys. Like that in really? terms of the, the physical ability. Yeah. And like what's in, the in, highest a corner's ever gone? Do we know? Oh, it's got to be like two or three. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's no way it's not. So you think bright. that's definitely a yeah. possibility this year? Yeah. And, and, that, and that's the thing. Is and I, this is I, a I weird want, year. Yeah. yeah. I want exposure to markets outside of just tackle quarterback and edge because I think that if there's a year it's going to happen, it's going to be this year. Well, I have a question on that. So mm-hmm. Derek Stingley basically is this top tier cornerback prospect and he was incredible with the year LSU won the championship, right? The same year Burrow was there. Jamar Chase was there. 2019. Mm-hmm. And then he's been hurt and not played nearly as well since, right? But there's yep. been injuries, so we don't really know why. And also, right? like LSU had Bo Pelini, fired Bo Pelini, or drawn left, like the whole the whole house of cards fell on LSU. Well, I guess my question is: there's, I think, six, maybe more, maybe seven defensive starters on that 2019 LSU team were drafted in the first three or four rounds, like that year. Like, so he was on, he looked great on a defense that had seven guys who were then drafted in the next four rounds and then hasn't looked since. So I'm not saying like he'll be bad because his teammates left, but rather, how do you guys separate and evaluate a guy like that when they're surrounded by like such better talent than like all the other teams they're playing? And then how do you evaluate him when he, when all those guys leave and they don't play as well? Like, how do you actually yeah. decide? If I mean, you, ju- well? you mm-hmm. just asked like the big question and like watching like Trey scouting. Lance play in a, yes. in, yeah. against worse talent versus a guy who's, you know, an SEC quarterback. Like, how, how do you figure that out? Yeah. I mean, a lot of teams don't for, for starters. <laughs> if you, I had it's, could it's it hard is the answer. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> there is no answer. In the secondary particularly, Traits, it's really, yeah. yeah, the secondary particularly is really tough because the secondary, right, like the offensive line has to exist as an amoeba. There has to be a relationship, right? Unless we're just playing straight man on every Tied single rep. Tied on a string. Right, exactly. And mm-hmm. even if we're playing straight man on every single rep, like how the safety space is and how the, the corner space is, like that matters. Uh, and so, it does, to me, indicate that Stingley's a really good player such that when he was in that context, he was so good because he was supported by other players who could execute for him. And that allows you as a defensive coordinator to call a variety of things. We have to remember that LSU team was coordinated by Dave Aranda. Aranda's defense is nuts in terms of the stuff that they ask, in terms of the complexity, right? And you Mm -hmm. need to have a whole gamut of guys in order to execute, and they did. Uh, With that said, Danny said the magic word, which is traits, right? When you're watching Trey Lance at North Dakota State, you go, okay, I can only care so much about him you know, throwing, uh, you know, a, a guy open against a future accountant. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's <laughs> difficult to, to contextualize that. But how fast is that ball coming out? How accurately is it coming out? When he runs, how much faster is he than all the other accountants? Like, that's the sort of thing that, that you have to care about and you have to know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Also, I don't know if this makes any difference, but I kind of like the fact that he was practicing against Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Like wearing number seven. Well, when you say it like that's that, like I didn't iron think about sharpens that. iron. I mean, come on, that is like literally maybe two of the best yeah. receivers in the NFL. The right Bengals now. should just only draft LSU players. 
feel well, like we actually just, someone yeah. email us. We had someone email us and say, or oh, Ben emailed us, not Solak. Hello, Ben Different from ben. Toronto. Hey, ben. And he ben. said, just draft on one side of the ball. <laughs> right. Just oh, do yeah. it. Yeah. Just draft on one side of the ball. Well, because then you cut the amount of players you have to evaluate. And then you then have well, a so then you have an identity, system. and you're like, "That's good. We're gonna be really good at all. We have an identity." Yeah. <laughs> the Bengals basically did that anyway. So, with all that said, you think Evan Neal's going to know number one? Mm-hmm. You have so Stingley's your biggest bet. Which is your favorite bet? You have all these different bets. Which yes. is your favorite so one? So I have Stingley plus five thousand. I have Hudson plus uh, fifteen hundred. Evan Neal plus seven hundred. Charles Charles Cross Charles Cross plus nine thousand. Ike McQuanu plus ten thousand. Thibodeau plus four hundred. Iquano is my favorite ticket. Iquano um, ten to one right now. That's, yeah. And he's like the favorite right now, right? He's uh, of the tackles. He has the best price. Yeah. Um. And that and that moved over the course of like a day, which was the nineteenth of January. You got uh, it super Dane, early Dane though. Ruger yes. Kind of like yeah, changed the lines because he put him yeah. in his mock draft, I believe. Right. So here's the thing. I and like I don't you know I'm not gonna ruffle any feathers. Of the five, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Aquanu, Cross, and Neal. I would put Neal as my last most likely to be the first overall pick. I don't. And DK says interesting. I don't. Okay. Get, I don't get it with Neal. Neal is very big. He also, his feet aren't good. And and he gets away with everything by being very large. And that's very high floor. But at number one overall in this tackle class, with the way Cross moves and the way Quantum moves, I'm not drafting floor. What do you think well, of that, in, I mean, yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree. In fact, I have Neil ranked the lowest of the three tackles. I still just think the NFL, for yeah, whatever Bama reason, tackle. is going to like Neil the most. That's kind of where I'm going. The thing is, yeah. being enormous, you can you can set your clock to it. Yeah, you know and I mean, like, oh, will Aquano develop as a pass protector? Plus the can box Charles, jumps. Can Charles, right, can Charles <laughs> Cross hang us The on. box jumps, guys. 6'7", 360 is 6'7", 360. That, yeah. that is hard to get around on every day of the week. And that's why, like, you know, teams will fall back on that. I understand that. It's just, for me personally, if I'm drafting number one overall, I want ceiling, not floor. I think it's so, and and I do think um, Thibodeau has a good chance to go number one, and Hutchinson. When yeah. we figure out kind of like when Jacksonville finalizes their staff, maybe then we'll know more. But we talked about all this. I still do think there's a small, small chance it's a quarterback. Someone because, and here's why. And this is the big picture to Jacksonville or the trade? no, no, they trade out. So basically, this is the big picture: is in a class like this where there's no clear cut number one. And it's a deep class, but not necessarily a, a top-heavy one. This could be a, a year where, and maybe it's not number one, but just for thinking forward and, and picturing how the first round is going to go, two or three or four or whatever. Um, it's. I think it might be a little bit easier to trade up in this class because there's no like elite, 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 elite talent, and teams will be looking to move back because of that, um, and pick up maybe like an extra first next year or a couple extra seconds or whatever it be. Um, maybe the, it won't be quite as expensive as it typically is to move up into the top five this year as it was, in, or as it typically is in no, normal classes. So there's always a chance in my mind still that, that Jacksonville's just like, look, we want to get, we have all these guys, we have like seven guys all graded around the same level. Like, let's just trade back. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. If it's a quarterback, I'll eat my hat. I know, I don't think it actually is going to be. I just wanted to throw that out there um, as a possibility. We'll be careful that we had uh, former Ringer editor Donnie Quack said he'd eat his boot if never I remember what <laughs> they never did it. It was if, never did what it. Was it? Well, it, was it was if Germany, was it if, if Germany was it if, didn't make it to some round. It was oh, Ryan O'Hanlon in the World Cup, yeah. I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Ryan O'Hanlon said, "I out think Germany is going to get out, not going to get out of the group stage." And it was like they were not. That was like a that was a pretty hot take at the time. They were like a favorite. and Quack was like. Hatch, I'll eat hatch, my shit. No, he did not eat his boot. We we wanted to have Dave Chang make him like we were like, can you make a gourmet thing boot? That, yeah, like can you cook like a cleat? Is that possible? <laughs> Bring out a Bell Draft Sous vide boot. Gourmet boot. <laughs> Sous vide boot. Okay. Should we get the emails? Boot vide. Yeah, let's do it. Who want there are emails in here that are weird and I did not put. So who put these in here? I put some of them in. Um, <laughs> Why don't you read it then? We don't necessarily have to read all of these. I did find I just wanted the to The masturbation one's pretty funny. Yeah, okay. Beg so, pardon? That's right. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So it's no, about you don't too, read ben. it so lack. Okay. I see you. No, no, no. So someone emailed. So Grant emailed. Grant. Shouts Grant. Um, that here, I'll just read his email. On Tuesday, <laughs> that's Grant, that's how it goes. Generally. I traveled from Seattle to Boston to go to my girlfriend's parents. My girlfriend having traveled out the day prior. Started listening to the draft pod with Ben, who he loves, by the way. Go birds. Uh, while we landed at Logan. When I arrived at her parents' house, well after midnight, my girlfriend was asleep. So I decided to keep listening on my AirPods because he was in West Coast time. I figured I'd drift off to sleep as the gang debated the career longevity of Sam Howell. I like that we're the gang, by the way. Go team. Um, little did I know that Ben Solak would be bringing the heat and the one-liners, taking the already funny fantasy football show to an 11. Before long, I was struggling not to laugh out loud. I started doing that stifled giggle thing that happens when you don't want anyone to know you're <laughs> laughing. 
By the time we got to Will Greer on a scooter, I was pretty much in silent convulsion. <laughs> Biggest winner of episode one, Will Greer. Will Greer. On a, a lot scooter. of mentions, a lot of airtime <laughs> yeah. for Will Greer. Uh, the next morning, we wake up and I'm telling my girlfriend about listening to the pod. She's super enthused. I can't tell if he's being sarcastic with that or I, not. I think she is. <laughs> being sarcastic? <laughs> yeah. She really wants to hear about this podcast he was listening to. The gang. Um, and he gets to the silent laughter. I kid you not, she says, oh, I thought you were masturbating. <laughs> Convulsions. She says, apparently she thought I was stress relieving with no abandon. <laughs> oh my God. I like that she didn't call him out on it. Yeah. Like, I have like an understanding. Like, like that's cool. If, if he you wanted to do that. said anything that morning, the rest of her life should have been like, oh yeah, he was just masturbating. He's just trying to get to sleep. That's yeah. fine. I'm stressed out. <laughs> Traveled to my, my parents' house. His girlfriend's parents' house. After a long day of travel. Um, what, what a laid back GF. I know, right? So, do your parents like listen to this podcast? Oh yeah. Well, right. maybe not fifty minutes in. They're probably yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, they haven't made. Oh it yeah, they don't love me that much. Good point, Greg. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about it like that. Uh, <laughs> and then I thought I thought this one was funny. This is like nothing to do about anything really. But I posted a picture of myself on, in a Reese's T-shirt the other day because I was on it. We were unable to go to the, to the Reese's Senior Bowl, unfortunately. But Sad. I had a Reese's T-shirt. Okay, so I posted it, and uh, Brandon says, Brandon. Brandon. He goes, I just saw DK's picture with a Reese's shirt on Twitter. I wanted to share my experience with that same shirt. We all have we all have that. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's know. got a favorite Reese's shirt story. Um, I wore it to class one day, freshman year of high school. This was the only time I had ever worn the shirt to school, and it was the last time. We had a guest speaker in health class the day I wore the shirt. She called on me to read and referred to me as Reese. <laughs> Everyone laughed. I thought that was the end of it. Next semester rolls around, and she shows up again in health class. I was not wearing the shirt, but she still called me Reese. From there on out, I was She remembered to... next semester? <laughs> it was a guest speaker. <laughs> She's like, that one dude. That she came she back. Called out <laughs> Reese. Reese. Reese, right Reese there. Bobby. From there on out, I was referred to as Reese by everyone that knew me. It lasted all four years. No way. In high school because he wore a Reese's t-shirt. I wonder if he burned that shirt before college. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Absolutely That's... not. I'm not kidding. It was my favorite yeah. shirt in yeah. high school. Yeah, like a beautiful Patagonia fleece. He's like, no, not again. <laughs> not again. I won't be called Patagonia. He removes all brands from it. He just wears plain white t-shirt. <laughs> just picturing the Reese no, Bobby. Hell, Rick, it was hot when I said that. Okay, wait. Now it's time for America's favorite segment. Yes. Two jargons, yes. one oh, okay. oh, yes. <clears throat> all right. Last week, I Play it easier on you guys. This one's getting easier. Yeah, I want to know right now. Yeah, so explain okay. again. There's a lot of draft jargon. Yes. We have the jargon where we're going to, every time, but just to... The jar. Get it. Solak is going to give us two real things of draft jargon every week mm -hmm. and one fake one. And Craig and I have to figure out which one is the, the, yeah. the one he made up. Hit us. Are we ready? All right. I can't wait. Matrix mover. Christ. Glass eater. Cow on ice. <laughs> a cow on ice? Cow on ice. Matrix what? Matrix mover. Matrix mover. So like picture Neo. glass eater. We get to ask no hints. Neo, Neo. No, no hints. We get to ask. No, we get to ask what they mean, right? <laughs> yeah. Or no? Sure. I don't know. I don't no, know. maybe not. I mean, it's, our no, fake, they, it's our fake. It's our fake. I don't know. No, what yeah, the right. Rules no, that's not. So matrix mover, glass, glass eater, eater, cow on ice. Cow I'm, on I want ice. Craig. I to go first here. Cow on ice sounds like it makes sense, but I also I think that's one that Solak. Would think that we would think it makes sense. <laughs> this is this is what worked for you last time. You're getting into his head. The one that most most seemed like it would make. I sense. know for a fact one of them is real. Which one? I know that glass eater is real. Okay, that's definitely you real. guys. I feel like you can't talk about this. Okay. Also, the fact that DK like described to me like like he immediately was like, "Oh, Matrix, think of like this." Would he have done that if that was the fake term? No, I don't think he would. I think. Cow on ice. I'm just gonna not. What do you I think? I think cow on to? ice is, is, is makes the sense up. for because he said Evan Neal had bad footwork, and that's I feel like what you would say if a lineman has bad footwork. It oh, sounds cow on the ice. most real, which is why I think it's the fake one. <laughs> but Matrix Mover, no, because here's the thing. I, I'm I'm gonna. You think it's Matrix Mover? I'm gonna go with Matrix Mover. That sounds the most made you know up why? to me. You know why? All these scouting terms are 40 years old, and the Matrix isn't old <laughs> enough for it to be a term. And cows so, have been around for a very long time. Cows are so cows old. from the beginning, man. <laughs> Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Remember when someone told us that sharks were older than trees? Yeah, that's that was right. crazy. I want to know how old cows are. Oh, that's weird. Oh, I don't um, like that at all. I, I like think that. there's no. no way any new draft terms have been invented because Solak, who's like 14 years old, still uses the term in a phone booth. He's so like two years younger new. than you, and you're like, this <laughs> young whippersnapper. Lock me in. <laughs> Matrix Movers fake. Well, can we be on separate sides or do we have to come to a consensus? I, I think Matrix Movers, there's none of these terms that have been reinvented. You don't think we have to no, come to no, a consensus? No, we can be different. I think Matrix Mover because that means it's new. I like everything about what you're saying. I'm going to go with cow on ice. All right. Drum roll or whatever. Uh, sound effect you want. 
Heifetz wins. Yes. Oh. Matrix move is made up. <laughs> Cow on ice is not particular for um, Evan Neal, but any any think about somebody that has terrible balance, right? Any sort of contact would knock him over, send him reeling. That's a cow on ice, hmm. right? And the cow ain't got knees. Cow ain't got toes. You hit a cow <laughs> on ice. That <laughs> buddy's moving. Cows don't have, cows don't have yeah. knees. I don't they think just so. have like ankles. Yeah. No, yeah, right. that's a thing because yeah. it's like a senior high school. <laughs> yeah, cows, have knees. cows have knees. Hold on, there's quick a, Google. Do cows a, have knees? Well, no, it's like a senior high school yeah. thing. Like senior day, people do pranks back when people went to school in person. And like you bring it, cows can go upstairs, but the they can't come down. The joints on a cow's leg that look like their knees are the equivalent of wrists and their ankles and their hind legs. So they don't have like human knees. This they're is all cows do wrists. have knees. They're found at the top of their hind legs. And are usually referred to as the stifle joint. I'm looking at the same thing you are. All I know is this cows can go upstairs but they can't come down. And it's like a senior high school prank is people will bring a cow to the second floor and just leave it there and it can't Or yeah, or there's the joke, the senior prank, where you bring three pigs to a campus and you number them one, two, two and four. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a classic <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's oh, like, yeah. where's three? <laughs> the best one I've I ever heard. heard that. That uh, That's good. One of my friends' moms was a uh, teacher at a school in a different district, and she said, like, one kid, right when they put in, like, a PA, like a new system, figured out how to hack into it, crawled into the ceiling and, like, rewired it and controlled the PA for a full school day. That's like some Ferris Bueller shit. It yeah. is. Yeah. If you have good senior pranks, also email. Did us anybody here have football. anything good? Nope. I'm trying to remember. Our senior prank, we just took a day off of school and we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> that's, gotcha. that's really lame. <laughs> well, it was like senior ditch day, but we just chose our the day we wanted to do it, and it kind of confused people. But we're like, what are we gonna do? We're gonna like yeah. spread mayonnaise all over the lockers? Like that's not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing is, you got to do something that like realistically. The old the, mayonnaise on the locker. <laughs> well, you don't want the custodians to have to clean it up. Exactly. Then it's just like, a dick move. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're just creating work. Yes. For this we're looking nice out person. for people. So you have to like, yeah. like, what are you gonna do? Burn. Well, we burned down the snack shack. Cool. <laughs> I, worked <laughs> money in the snack I worked shack. in the snack Sick. shack, by the way. Did you really? Yeah. It was awesome. This is the best class I had. Yeah, it was a class. Was a class. Yeah, it Y'all was a class. A we ran. Shack? It was like a business class. We ran the snack shack. We had to like do the books. We had to do everything. Well, that must have been, uh, which was weird because hopefully none of my former teachers are listening. We like gave away so much. <laughs> shit. I I say. Dude, I was in leadership. I was the treasurer of my class. Yeah, leadership. You were in charge of the money. Yeah, <laughs> dude, leadership is like, and we were a big school. We had like a lot of school spirit. Leadership is you basically just like paint posters. <laughs> That's what it is. You like plan prom, plan it's a microcosm rallies. for the for the democratic process, Craig. Um, I, I got a kicked yeah. out of uh, National Honor Society because I didn't do whatever you're supposed to like do things. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do? I didn't get the memo. You're supposed to like do like activities and like attend things. I just didn't know that was a thing. You and just then, wanted the clout? At the end of well, yeah. no, I just I didn't even want to be there. And at the end of the year, they sent me an email or like a letter, and they were like, if you don't do the things you don't get to wear whatever like the tassel of yeah. graduation I was like okay like, I don't, I'm not invested in this you know, now that, don't you threaten me this is a story I kind of forgot but now that I'm thinking about it it's messed up I we had a I took a class too on high school that was like hey like pitch a business thing and I was like I want to sell bacon egg and cheese sandwiches in the commons like in the in the main area before school and we just go and pick them up and like bring them over that would like, do well I would imagine I was like this is easy money like every kid will want like that to, in school and then I went through all this. I pitched it to the principal. I was like, let me do this. And they came back and were like, we love this idea, but we have a contract with the company that does the, the kitchen. And we actually, they are the exclusive provider. And then two weeks later, they started selling the sandwiches. <laughs> oh, wow. They didn't let me do it. They oh, did it. They also took it. Awesome for capitalism. Business, I was about yeah. to say. <laughs> Just a little you learn a small this local lessons right yeah, now. It was guys. unbelievable. I, my my final snack shack story. I was so pissed because we gave away so much food. We did some terrible things. We are not good business people. <laughs> learned a lot in that class. I mean, we get like we you know you learned a few things. Shaved off the top. Like we were just doing yeah. write offs. Yeah. We were being not very good at this class and running this business into the ground. The one thing we got in trouble for, there was a hole in the ceiling that we didn't make. And I got in trouble for that. Ah, wow! After all that, what was your punishment? I don't remember. Nothing. Fix the fix the ceiling. It was like one of those like cardboard like you know. DK was a little little scoundrel. I feel like just giving away fruity <laughs> snacks. Scoundrel. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we got. Crank. Ringer Fantasy Football at gmail.com. Emails for I don't know high school senior pranks, weird classes you took, actual questions about the draft are also mm. cool. Yeah, that works. Uh, not, and we'll be back. We're on, compiling. We'll be back on Thursday with our fantasy show. We're doing worst bets for the Super Bowl. We're going to do a Super Bowl reaction show on mm-hmm. the fantasy feed, and then after that, it's officially draft time. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're coming to you through the end of April with the draft. It's awesome. This is we're really excited. This is really fun. Also, check out DK's 
draft guide, yeah. nfldraft.thereal.com. I prompt, please check it out. It's nothing like anything you've seen. It works on your phone. Like it's, it's, it's cool. We built it for your phone. It's you fantastic. You can listen to our pod while you're, while you're perusing the yes, site. Yes, you can. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Mike Wargon, for producing this episode. Thank you to Ben Solak's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Solak, for dealing with his very <laughs> strange co-workers. Uh, I apologize for weird things that and we lastly, said. And lastly... Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Lupe Fiasco. Ooh, wow. I used to effing love Lupe P- used Fiasco. How, well, could, how could you give up on it? Well, I, has, well, I guess I don't really know. Is he releasing music lately? He is. He, he. I believe he has like some very complicated stuff, like his releases and everything. He's been, but like, he's, like hip hop saved my life and like all that. I thought he was, was like one of the best, like pure rappers and lyricists when I was in high school. I thought he was incredible. Loved Lupe. He's Fiasco. definitely a guy that like. We're, I think that he's in this. He's. Kid Cudi-esque, but Kid Cudi has this like lasting thing where Joe Burrow's talking about Kid Cudi yeah. this week and like yeah. making him a thing and people know Kid Cudi's influence. Kid Cudi was in that like Travis Scott thing in Fortnite and then Lupe yeah. Fiasco was like almost bigger than Kid Cudi but has disappeared. He really has. Maybe there's something to that. If you guys know what's up with Lupe Fiasco, let us know. <laughs> Lay. This is. I feel like this was my most Lay's successful was one. like the last album that I really knew about it. Yeah. Him, and then I haven't heard since and that was a long time ago. But yeah, Hip Hop Saved My Life, great song. Check it out. Goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.